Expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. Thank goodness. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, That's psychological, right. or professional advice. Take 12 Radio <laughs> is God. not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. None and of now, them, now, here's your host. The man. Mm-hmm. The myth. The legend. The Monty Man. Ain't gonna lie to you. Everybody sing. Bad boys, we're all the same. Saved by grace is the name of the game. Turn around, hit the ground. Time to lay your burden down. All right, we've had a really weird morning. The listeners don't know this, but we were doing the wrong templates. I produced the wrong intro for today's show. It's been an upside down day, Dave, and it's not even <laughs> noon yet. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, Dave Fleming is in the studio because today is actually not the great reality show, the Take 12 Recovery production of the great reality show that we usually do on the first and second Monday of the month, but entitled to overcome <laughs> solutions for life today with Dave Fleming. Today. Um. So next week we'll have the proper intro for it, but that's okay. We we record all these in the same studio, and it's all produced by Take 12 Recovery Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting in beautiful downtown Albany, Oregon, or at least on the outskirts. <laughs> you remembered this time. Do you know that there there's a pharmaceutical manufacturer right down at the end of the street down here? And I'm not talking about the local drug cook. I'm talking I say, about- I thought that looked like a meth house. <laughs> no, Grace Grace Pharmaceuticals right back here. Okay. So I live what right down of? the street from 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 the jail, and right down the street from a phar- pharmaceutical manufacturer. What do they manufacture? Pharmaceuticals. What kind? I don't know. Huh. We should go ask them. <sighs> Supplements. <laughs> All right. Uh, Melissa Manchester was the one singing that song, a little ditty, "Don't Cry Out Loud," at the beginning of the show. A little sound bite because the topic for this week is big boys do cry. Now, we've heard about emotional sobriety and emotional dependency. And this week, we're going to talk about emotional recovery. Dave? Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness sakes. Uh, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as uh, as uh, a famous other 
personality say, would say is uh, better than I deserve. Better than you deserve, yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Uh, there we go. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> I've got some things to uh, to talk about this morning. I, I hope. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Stop right there, everybody. Okay. Because it's time for the Monty Man's Weekly Wine. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All you do is wine. <laughs> All you do is wine. <laughs> All you do is wine, wine, wine. <laughs> Whining is all you do. Yeah. <laughs> it is time for my that weekly wine. Familiar. Yes. <sighs> By the way, speaking of uh, speaking, I miss your whining. You miss my whining? I miss listening to you whine every do day. You? Well, you're going to get the, yeah, every day I do a little bit. You're going to get to hear uh, a couple of really choice wines this week. Uh, speaking of um, the Beatles, uh, I think I mentioned this last week. I'm, I'm still thinking about the great movie that we went and saw called Yesterday. Uh, mm. Really, really good movie. So that's all I'll say about that. Go see the movie. All right. So the weekly wine this week, where do I start? So we went to Marsha and I went to Big Lots the other day to buy two mattresses for the two guest beds upstairs. Now that all the kids have moved out and gotten married, um, and they were on sale, we got a really good price on them. And so we pull up to Big Lots, and there is a food truck, not associated with Big Lots at all, right next door, nice. and there is um. The, the I guess you would call them the cooks or the servers of the food truck sitting out in front of the food truck with this huge speaker, right? And they're blaring um, really horrible, crude hip-hop music that is talking about having illicit sex with African-American women in the gutter. <laughs> what? And the thing that was interesting about it was the guys that owned the food truck, or at least were managing it, they themselves were African-American. And it's – I can't even say the words that were coming out of the speaker. It was so foul and so offensive. And I thought, wow, that's a great way to make friends and influence people and keep get people to come to your uh, Caribbean – do you say Caribbean or Caribbean? It depends on what the context is. Okay, well, it's the Caribbean barbecue truck is yeah. what it would ca- was called. And if you guys are listening, the owners of that, you need to know that the people running your food truck are not doing you any favors. I mean, it was – people were walking into big lots with their kids and stuff, you know. Was it just set up in the parking lot? Or? Yeah, it was set up right next – on the side of big lots. The, the food truck was in the parking lot next to the building, oh. you know. And big lots, the manager was kind of poking his head out, shaking his head, thinking, you know, like, what the heck is well, this? who gave him permission to do that? Who knows? That, <sighs> yeah, my first call would be to the popo. Man. Give me a break. Say, where's your permit? Jeez. Okay, so there's that one. I got another one. We're in we're in the line. We're buying the, the wood slats for the 
beds to, because they're old bunk beds separated for these beds. And I'm at Home Depot. And there's a guy, we got all this wood, and there's a guy with one gallon of paint in front of us. And the register operator says, do you have your own Home Depot card? He goes, oh, I forgot it. It's out in my truck. I'll be right back. So as he's walking out to his truck, I notice he's not hurrying. He's just kind of sauntering. And I look at the register operator and I go, he's not coming back, dude. Because he's not even making haste to his car at all. He's just not coming back. And I go, well, I'll wait. And I'll say, okay, okay, I'm fine. I'm not going anywhere. So we waited and we waited. And Why we would waited. they make you wait? That's just, that's I, know. Not, I don't even think that's protocol. And then I saw him drive off in his truck. <laughs> <laughs> and and then they then the guy goes, all right. So then he put the thing aside and he voided it out and all that stuff. But I thought, you don't do that, right? You put it aside and you come back to it. Right. But we waited. Every other and we cashier. Waited. So that wasn't nearly as bad. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. This is my my wine. Straws. Where did it kick you? Straws, man. So we were at Straws. we were at an Italian restaurant yesterday afternoon. <laughs> and the waitress the waitress came up to it. It was our life group. Yeah. Uh, our church's life group. So there's about fifteen of us, right? I saw the picture. And she's rolling her eyes because she's about ready to tell us something that she thinks is ridiculous, too. Right. She goes, I just need to let you know that if you want straws, you have to request them. And this is not me offering them to you, because if I offer you a straw with your soda, I can be fined $25 per straw. It is a new state law in the state of Oregon if you're at a full-service restaurant, the restaurant and the server can be fined for offering to give you a straw or if they just include the straw with the drink. You have to specifically request it. You know, the interesting thing is is I don't know if I've ever been given a, a straw automatically or even been asked if I liked a straw. We've always had to ask, ne- ask for them. I've never been given one except for like fast food, like through the drive-thru or something. Right. And I don't know. I didn't know that went into effect yet because I know somebody that is it a manager de- at McDonald's and I asked him, I said, so what's up with this straw? I said, I said, uh, have the straw police come by your business yet? And he's like, what are you talking about? Well, it's not effect. It's not, it's only at full service restaurants right now okay. at this point. And this isn't like they're giving you paper straws or anything. This is just you you have to personally request a straw. And so I looked at her and I said, so it's perfectly legal to be walking around stoned out of your mind in public, but it's illegal for you to offer me a plastic straw with my soda. And she just rolled her eyes and was cracking up. She goes, yeah, yeah. What can you say, right? Well, you know, did you hear? I don't know if I should go there. They made it. Oh, I don't even know why I say it. In Do New, it. Do in, it. In New York, they made it okay for illegals to get driver's license. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, can't they do that in Oregon now? And vote and how? 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 Can Non-citizens you a, how can, can you vote? Oh. That makes absolutely no sense. I don't care what side of the political uh, arena you're on, right or left or everything in between. It makes no sense from any direction. Right. No sense. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, there's uh, there's 
some, you know, if you believe in like uh, predictions or prophecies at all, right. that uh, that they that this situation that's going on right now with the, with the immigration, yeah, was predicted and will lead us if it's not corrected will lead us into another civil war i i think ye may be correct <clears throat> yeah so, so time to uh, stock up on uh provisions so listen if you want a straw if you know what i mean it's time to st- stock up on your straws if you're well, a cocaine addict and you go to your dealer's house he cannot offer you a straw you I'm have to ask up. him for one <laughs> So in the deal with I, I I heard about this for like fast food restaurants. So they you know like the the soda machine that's you know in the in the in the lobby. Or oh yeah, the, that you serve yourself. Yeah, with? yeah. So you they can't put straws out there in, in the lobby any longer, really? unless unless there is no more room under the counter. Really? Yeah. You can get a. They will give you a straw if you go through the drive-through. Okay, um, but otherwise you have to ask for one when you order your meal. Is this all because of the video of the turtle that got the straw stuck in its nose? <sighs> you know, they can make products that are biodegradable, right? There's restaurants out there that that have them. You know, biodegradable yeah. cups and straws and sure. So I don't know why they don't just go that route. Well, they tried the paper straw thing, which are by the way are disgusting. Uh, have you ever drank out of a paper straw? I'm sure I have. It is weird. You know, you know how paper will start to beat up, kind of, and you yeah. know, as soon as it gets wet, that's what happens to them, and they're just gross. Well, you know, uh, there's a, a particular coffee shop that when I I use when I buy coffee, I get a straw. Yeah, uh, and they said don't use the straw if if it's a hot drink because the straw will melt. So that just tell you know that's basically oh. tells me that it's biodegradable. Okay. And so there's I don't know why we don't just go that direction. I use the little stir sticks, and yeah. I sip my coffee out of those. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because those are meant to be hot and hot. Yeah, but those you are know. plastic, so those will probably be outlawed too. Right. I mean, it's just I don't know. There's lots of things that we can do to, you know, improve our environment. Don't you get me going on this this trail that. <laughs> You know, there's so many things that we could be doing a lot better, but the powers that be will not allow it because there's too much money involved. It's all about greed and control and power. So there's my wine. There you go. Gee. <laughs> uh, Turn in next week for Conspiracy Hour. I know. I know, right? Is it a conspiracy if it's true? Okie dokie, pokey. Now it's time for a little yes, win. Yes, it is. Something positive. From the Monty Man, for once. Okay, we got to say something positive. Um, so I'm happy to report uh, that, uh, th- and I'm excited about it. It hasn't happened yet. But this weekend, I'm taking my nieces. This just sounds cool. My it's nieces. It's all about you. Yes, I'm taking my nieces to go see The Lion King. Nice. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I think that's a win. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, the, what do they call that special effect where everything looks real? There's a name for it. Um, Reality TV. <laughs> CGI. CGI. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's going to be fun. And I was able to go up to uh, Sweet Home uh, the other day and actually fix Marv's mixer. His mixing board wasn't 
operating properly or the speakers. It was a matter of a little switch in the back. <laughs> it usually is. It wasn't because I was so it's smart. It's called, is the power on? <laughs> is it plugged in? <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and we're going to talk about this topic, Big Boys Do Cry, Emotional Recovery, when we return. Don't go away. Hey, it's Monty Meyer here with the Willamette Valley Campus of Adult and Teen Challenge with a special invitation for men who don't shy away from a challenge. It's Rough Cut Men, the movie experience. Friday, August 2nd from 6 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, August 3rd from 8 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Willamette Community Church in Albany, Oregon. Here's David Dusek from Rough Cut Men Ministries. We're really good at faking it. And I'm absolutely tired of watching men fake their way through life. Because it's not a matter of if things are going to go wrong, it's a matter of when. And it's who we have on our six, on our back, making sure that we survive. That's the most important thing we can have. It's not about Bible studies. It's not about Sunday morning. It is about two or three men around us who can bring us off the battlefield when we're wounded in life. What you will experience through Hollywood action movies, current events, biblical truth, and personal testimony is that you will come away realizing that rough-cut men are not the finished product, but a work in progress by God. Only $29 covers the cost of both days, and proceeds benefit Willamette Valley Adult and Teen Challenge. For more information, call 541-491-1002 or email troy.cunningham at TeenChallengePNW.com. To find out more about Rough Cut Men Ministries, visit RoughCutMen.org. There I was in my business suit, all dressed up, just uptight as I could possibly be. And I don't remember much of what was said at that first AA meeting. It was more the feeling of the meeting itself. That's what has kept me going. I know it works, and I see the people ahead of me with more sobriety, I see how happy they are, and I want that. I want that too. And what I notice about AA is it sort of helps me to relax and learn to really be happy with my sobriety. It's a richer life to live. That's exactly what Alcoholics Anonymous does. It teaches us how to live without drinking. It teaches us how to have fun and really enjoy life without drinking. This program's giving me the good life, the only good life I've ever known. Alcoholics Anonymous. It works. Look us up. Check your phone book, newspaper, or AA.org. This is Chris Schroeder. You are listening to Take12Radio.com. Recovery talk and positive music. Okie dokie, pokey. We are back. Gumby and pokey? Gumby and pokey. Now, we are talking dating. about... Old shows. Right? We are dating ourselves now. Hey, Pokey. Hey, Gumby. Did you have a Pokey and Gumby toy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the Gumby one doesn't quite, it doesn't stretch, kind of like Stretch Armstrong stretches. No, it had wires inside of it so you could bend its. Right. I tried to stretch it like a Stretch Armstrong and it didn't work. I took its leg off. Wow. And I cried. Have you had some counseling for that yet? Well, I did cry because my Gumby broke. Um, I I think I was probably about 27. (laughs) 
Sounds about right. So do big boys, uh, big boys cry? I guess there was a song years ago. Oh, now I can't remember. I told uh, Lynette Sutton the other day who it was. Uh, that it was a song called "Big Girls Don't Cry." He's googling it now. It wasn't the Supreme Four Seasons? I think it was the Four Seasons. It wasn't written by the Four Seasons. It was performed by the Four Seasons. Um, what was it called? Big Girls Don't Cry. Um, but the topic for this show is big boys do cry, and uh, living really in uh, um, emotional recovery. Is it okay to be emotional in your recovery? Um, or do we, especially as men, do we just press through and not want to show our emotions and kind of... Did you find it? Uh, there's actually quite a few here. Really? We've got Fergie, Big Girls Don't Cry, Sai, uh, whoever that is, Big Girls Cry, and Frankie in the Valley. Frankie Valley. Frankie the Valley. Seasons, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Big Girls Don't Cry. Yeah, there you go. Well, but do big boys cry? Yeah, they do. Um, but but maybe we don't cry enough. I, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I mean, uh, especially let's talk about men particularly here because we've got this this image and it's been going on since the dawn of time, right? Um, yeah, and one of the I think one of the the biggest complaints or concerns is that you know it asks, well, why don't we show emotions? Yeah, right. Because that's yeah. kind of on the other side of it in recovery. I know personally, um, you know, my wife's even asked me like you don't like, you know, show any like emotions like one way or another, but then there'll be a movie on TV and I'll yeah. start crying, you know, right. Right. Uh, some sappy, uh, movie on TV. I'm a sucker crying. for those too. Right? Yeah. Um, or, uh, music, right. So like even like, uh, American Idol or the, uh, the voice and places like that. Someone will be out there singing. And it'll be like this. Emotional really touches your heart. Yeah. And it'll and, be yeah. like, you know, be like, <laughs> you know, start <laughs> hold the back, you know, eyes start watering. But, um, yeah, it's, I believe it. I don't buy into that, you know, that dimension cry. I shouldn't show emotion. Yeah. You know, I know for, you know, probably eons that that's been the thing, you know, it's like, yeah, suck it up, suck it up be a man. Yeah. What the heck does that mean? Right. So being a man means that you don't cry. It's, you know, and it's, I believe it's all taken out of context because in certain situations, yeah, you probably don't want to cry. Never you know? let him see you sweat, Dave. <laughs> right. <laughs> but in other situations, you know, it's appropriate. So do you think you think as you know you work in the field, especially with people you work with? Do you hear? I know I hear this. Um, you know, I was I was raised. I heard people say I was raised in a home where my dad would tell me, "Now don't you cry, don't you do yeah, it." I'll give you something to cry. Or I'll give about. you something to cry about. Man up, man. Yeah. And and if we're taught that, then we're also being taught to shove down right. and repress anything that would normally be healthy, just to kind of let it bubble out and. <clears throat> Get rid of it. I know that. I heard that when I was a kid. If you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. You know? What about you? Yeah, my grandpa. Yeah. On my dad's side was like that. My Now, my mom and dad weren't. 
But we'd go see my grandpa. He lived in Stockton. We lived in Petaluma. And mm-hmm. about once a month, we'd go over and see my grandpa. And if mom got after me, I mean, I'm just a little kid. Right. And grandma and grandpa, they got antiques everywhere and hundreds of chihuahuas and birds and clocks. and Well, you know, it's like it's like a, a, a an amusement park for me. Plastic on the furniture. Right. Exactly. Plastic <laughs> on the lampshades. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, so I was touching stuff and mom, mom would correct me. And, and before I even had a chance to even react one way or another, my grandfather would pipe up and say, now, don't you, don't you disrespect your mother? Don't you cry? And I'm like, I'm not even feeling like crying. Why? (laughs) But he was really quick to do that. Right. Yeah. My grandfather was more of a quiet guy. And you know, if you, if you stuck your, I think I've told you this before. If you stuck your elbows on the table like at dinner, right, he would jab you with a fork. Really? And I ne- this I don't remember this ever happening to me, but I I remember that right. my mom telling me that story. So it's like you know I think I've always like even when I'm you know not when I'm not around my grandfather, right. I still try to like keep my elbows off the table. Because that's just proper. Manners. Is that a repressed memory, Dave? <laughs> I guess you know, but. I also grew up with the, uh, 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 what is it? The children should be seen and not heard. And not heard thing. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you, uh, during the holidays, did the kids set, sit at a separate table? Like a Thanksgiving or? Yeah. We used to, yeah, back when my Uncle Charlie was was alive, we used to go over there for holidays. And that was, you know, the kids had their own t- table and right. adults had their own table. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it was. And. You know, I've even been to other people's uh, houses for holidays, and that's kind of what they do too. So I I noticed that, like in our family, we had we had um, growing up. I didn't have brothers and sisters, but my both my folks did, and both families would come together and be huge, right? uh, Especially at Thanksgiving, and one uncle had a yard that was gigantic. It was really long, so they played football out there and everything. But the kids were set at a separate table. Not because they were trying to keep them away from the adult conversations, but because the kids wanted to be with each other. All the cousins, they didn't get to see each other that often. We had a good time with with each other. But I've been to some people's homes where it's like, no, we're having adult conversations, so we don't want you here. You go sit over there. And then the adults would act like idiots. And I'm like, the kids are have more maturity than the adults do. Right. I've witnessed that too. Um but but there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of foundational behaviors that that's being uh, pre- really built upon when we're younger uh, around how we respond emotionally that we learn right and then instead of um, displaying our emotions or being honest about how we're feeling we'll use right. And and we know that that a lot of times the reason we medicate is to numb how we feel, um, and so I found in the people that I've sponsored over the years many times that was one of the big reasons that they would medicate was because they did not want to let anybody know how emotional they were, and I think emotional recovery is healthy to a degree. Right. Well, and I believe that that has been a part of our societal problems is that people don't know even what that is. Like, what is it? 
proper, you know, what is a healthy emotions? What is it okay and not okay? And, um, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, I, nobody in my family ever talked about things like this. I don't know about yours, but, um, even like, you know, uh, dating and I mean, our, my family never talked about these things. It was like they just happened. You they just know. happened. Yeah, I right, was like right. on the job training, you know. Right. Nobody <laughs> sat you down and say, "Okay, we're going to talk this is, about yeah. this." Um, when my father passed away, it was really interesting. My my father had peripheral T cell lymphoma, and so he was sick for a long time. Yep. Right. And when he finally passed away, and and they were in their apartment, my mom called me. It was about five a.m. in the morning and said, "Dad's gone." I said, "Okay, I'll be right over." And I went over there. Of course, the corner's coming, and that's that's pretty rough to see your paw getting bagged up in a vinyl bag and zipped up and hauled off on a gurney. Right. And my mom turned over over to me and said, now don't you cry, because she knew that if I did, she was going to lose it. Yeah. Right? Um, I kick myself now because I, I held it together, but you know what? I kind of wished I wouldn't have. You know, you know, we are, I think our brain protects itself too in, yeah. in certain circumstances. Uh, when my dad passed, uh, I was kind of the same way, you know, I, the circumstances around that, you know, how I found out, um, weren't the best. Um, and so I was actually, I was called to the hospital because I was, uh, the oldest living, you know, family member. Right. And, um, <laughs> I was basically the one that had to sign the paperwork to unplug him from the machine. Wow. And, you know, it was it was just this weird, it was bizarre because I hadn't seen my dad since my dad left when I was five or somewhere around there. Yeah. And I didn't see him again until I was like 37. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's... It's like this, it was weird because it's like this person was not in my life and now he's in my life and, and now he's dead. And so, uh, it was, I walked around probably for a few weeks, just totally numb. And then I just, I just lost it. You know, I, the, I basically, I started crying and couldn't stop. And I was basically in bed for a week. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a really tough time, you know, cause yeah. part Part of me was, you know, uh, upset that he was gone. But the other part of me was like, you know, I was in probably in the middle. Well, I was in the middle of my addiction. Uh, and so then I was kicking myself because I was like, I, you know, he's only here. He was only in my life for a short period of time. And here I'm spending most of that mm -hmm. in, you know, getting high or drunk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've had to, you know, I've, I've had to deal with that or, uh, you know, over the years, but, uh, does that come back, back to you sometimes the, re the remorse from that? No, it, the, what comes back is just, you know, uh, not just missing the times, you know, we did spend some time together. Yeah. Not, you know, just missing the, the ability to, you know, to do those things or have them, you know, see what I'm doing with my life, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I've I've changed my view on life. I believe that everything that's happened is 
been to make me the person that I am today. Yeah, I, uh, I would. So agree with I that. don't, I don't have any, you know, regrets or you know, guilt or shame about anything. Yeah. in the past because I mean, it's in the past. I can't do anything about changing it. All I can do is change things moving forward. And you, and you could be grateful for the uncomfortable yeah. times as well as the successful times and. And that my my mom used to be very concerned about me because she would say, you take things so hard, you know, and and I thought that she was exaggerating. But I look back at my life and there was a time in my life. We've talked about this before where I was very emotionally dependent and and um, I had abandonment issues that I had no idea that I had that very possibly stemmed from. Uh, being given up for adoption at, at uh, about three years of age. I, I don't know. Um, but I was very emotionally dependent on other people to be okay with myself. Right. And so when I would lose somebody, whether they moved away and it was a, a healthy separation, they just moved because maybe their parents got another job somewhere or somebody moved on and it was a good thing for them. You know, it would crush me. It would crush me. Yeah. Um, something happened in my 12-step work. I cannot pinpoint it. Where God did a healing in me in that area. And things do not affect me like that anymore. I've had some people tell me, wow, you're just cold and callous now. <laughs> and I'm like, no. I think what happened was I grew up a little bit. Yeah, you can't please everyone. No. Um, but but I, I can still cry at the drop of a hat um, if the moment is corrected. I don't apologize for it. Right. Will we watch in a movie and if the kids are over and they're married and grown, but if they're over with their spouses or whatever, and it gets to an emotional part, they'll all lean over and look to see if dad's crying. <laughs> and I'll go, stop it. Leave me alone. I mean, for crying out loud, I went and saw toy story four, right? The last 30 minutes, buzz and Woody are basically going separate ways and I'm not doing well. <laughs> And my wife's like, they're puppets. Right. <laughs> it's but, still. But what it yeah. does is it touches something in you right. that that is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I've, you know, I've gone through, a, a, you know, I guess some similar things, not yeah. from the, you know, being adopted thing. But, you know, my dad left, right? And then we... We moved around, I don't know how many times, probably four or five times. I can't even, you know, remember. Uh, all I can remember is five or six different schools. Yeah. Um, from the time I was, I don't know, 10 to, you know, high school. Uh, that's a lot. And so I, I developed... A, a pretty thick skin, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't make close friends. I didn't. I well, there was a there was a few people along the way that I'm still friends with today. Yeah, but they're you know few and far between. I never, you know, there's a few people that I opened up to, but yeah, for the most part, it was just you you build up these walls, you build up this, you know, uh, these areas of your life that you don't want to let people in because you just assume that they're only going to be in your life for a short period of time and then they're going to be gone. And then you'll just have to, you know, so I always it. got good at like the, the first impression 
thing, you know? Right. The 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 initial meeting and the, you know, get to know each other, but you know, past, you know, a few weeks got a little awkward. Yeah. You know, cuz yeah. you know, it it, it was a, a little bit of work uh trying to to do that. Um yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because as I'm talking, I'm also thinking about the fact that I, I'm, uh, I started writing my book and I started writing about these things. Mm. Um, mm. So it's going to be interesting that you know, we're talking about this. But uh, it, you know, it's it served me well, you know, I mm-hmm. guess in the period of time mm-hmm. when I was in my addiction and, mm-hmm. you know, that whole, you know, the lifestyle music business and all that I developed that thick skin ahead of time so that right. I was already like almost like I was preparing myself in a, in a weird way. Yeah. You know, I, I believe that, like I said, my, I've said before is like my whole life has kind of led me to this point where I'm at sure. now. Sure. And so certain things hap- had to happen in order for that to be the way it is now. I, w- I you know, I was such, I've had, <laughs> if that I, makes any sense. It does. And, and you know, I've, I've lost some, some friends that I, I put those demands on them. You're going to be my best friend or I'm going to, you know, develop a or produce a bad lifetime movie and I'm I'm coming after you with a knife, you know. Kind I'm going to get a radio station and I'm going to talk about right, you. Right. Right. <laughs> but but no, I mean I was I was so emotionally dependent on people being being my friend that I ended up pushing people away. One guy um uh 25 years we were, we were friends. Well, he was my friend. Let's put it that way. He tolerated me. I look back at it now and I'm like, I totally get it. I would have ran away from me, man. This poor guy falling around like a puppy dog. It was horrible. It was pathetic. But again, again, like you were saying, those experiences led to where I'm at today, you know, and I, I stand back and I look and I go, I don't know, even know if I recognize that part of me, but it was a part of me. And I'm thankful that it was right. Um, when my uh, when our first dog passed away, Sakima, um, I think I was a blubbering idiot, probably a hundred times worse than when my mom died. Mm. Um, things like that. So let's talk about for a minute. What about people that um, We've been talking about people that those of us that aren't afraid to show our emotions as guys. What about guys who who really insist on shoving that stuff down and I'm just not going to go there? It, it doesn't do well for them, does it? I mean, not in the long run. No. That's just, I mean, you're just, like you said, stuffing that down. Uh, and it usually ends up turning into something else and coming out sideways somewhere. Like an anger or wrath or... A lot of times it's anger. I mean, and, and you know, um, and I can look at, like, my own recovery. When I was in my addiction, um, I had a... Well, before my addiction, I had a lot of anger in that the whole abandonment and all that other yeah. stuff piled on top of each yeah. other, and I stuffed it down. Um, didn't ever tell anybody about anything. So when I would drink... Uh, all the filters would get turned off, so it would come out that way. And so, you know, oftentimes it, you will discover exactly what your character defects are when you're uh, when you're in, under the influence of chemicals. Yeah. 
And so, uh, and I'm speaking from the, from the position of recovery. So once you get into recovery, um, you need to address those issues because otherwise if we just continue to stuff them down, uh, they're going to come out sideways when we're sober. And then it might be in the form of not committing to a relationship, uh, not sticking in a job like, you know, you're in a job and if, as soon as things don't go well, you just, you're out the door to the next job. Uh, because you don't want you don't want to deal with conflict, which brings emotions, which you know, uh, you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, and then if there's abandonment issues and there's trust issues on top of that, uh, getting into a relationship is going to be tricky as well. Because we all know how it goes, right? The chase and the initial like get to know you, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is usually you know pretty good mm-hmm. but after the news worn off mm-hmm. um the honeymoon's over the honeymoon is over <laughs> uh figuratively and sometimes literally um you have to look at like the choices that you made and then you have to deal with that um so we need to address we need to look at what our what our issues are and if it has to do with our emotions or lack thereof we should figure out what's going on with us um because recovery is emotional, whether you're trying to stuff it, right. hide it, or you're or you're good at going ahead and being real and everything in between, it doesn't change the fact that recovery is emotional. Well, and some people have trouble identifying what emotions <clears throat> they're actually feeling, sure, or going through, or lacking. I don't know why I'm crying. I don't know why I'm depressed. I haven't got a clue. Or I why can. I don't have emotions. Right. I'm just deadpan. A lot of people in early recovery, uh, either they're, they're one way or the other, right? They're yeah. either like crying at everything. Right. Or they're like, you know. Stoic. Flatline. Yeah. Um, not dead, just emotionally. There's no, no ups or downs or just, you know, just existing. And they don't even know why sometimes. Right. They haven't got a clue. Well, it's, yeah, we can guess, but yeah, again, it's each individual's. Sure. There's, there's two, there's two person. Go ahead. I see you got that. 12 stupid things. Yeah. So uh, our friend, Dr. Berger wrote a book. Uh, It's one of the best sellers published by the Hazelton Foundation called 12 Stupid Things That Mess Up Recovery. And uh, there's two people uh, in here I want to talk about briefly Uh, in uh, stupid thing number nine, playing playing futile self-improvement games. Um, This one person is called Spiritual Sally. Spiritual Sally avoids life by hiding behind her commitment to living a spiritual life. Uh, Whenever Sally runs into difficulty in a relationship or emotions, she hides behind her spirituality by becoming ultra-righteous. So she won't show her emotions. Interesting. She won't show that she has any kind of vulnerability, right? Because she is so spiritual, you know, and, and, and I've met people like that. Well, my, my relationship with my higher power or my relationship with the Lord or whatever is at a place where things just don't affect me like they used to. And I, I don't need to be emotional. I'm well balanced. Well, that's kind of a, well, someone that's talking like that 
is yeah. obviously has an issue. They've got right? emotional I issues. don't need to show emotions. Well, obviously you have an issue with emotions. And these are emotions. the same people that will say things like, I don't care what other people think about me. And I'm like, I don't believe that for one minute. Right. That was me. Was it really? Yep. Yeah. I don't care what other people think. Oh, come on. I don't care what people think. I don't people care what people say because you know what? You don't have, you're not going to help me. You're not going to make things better for me. I mean, that was right. kind of my, you know, because everybody is out for themselves. Right. Dog eat dog. Right. That's the way our society is. It's like individuality. Which is a truth. Right. And so I know that I can only depend on myself. So I'm not good. I don't care about what you think. Well, yeah. But I learned later on that that wasn't true. Right. Because we do care. Right. Right. We would hardly be human if we didn't. And when I got into recovery, it was one of those things because, you know, every once in a while, you know, I don't, I don't know if you experience this, but every once in a while I'd have my I'd, I'd have the boss or somebody um, pat you on the back mm-hmm. and, and say, you're doing a good job. And I'm like, that that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I got into uh, into the rooms, you know, uh, and I would have to say N.A. specifically, uh, when I walked in there and people were like, you know, welcome, give you a hug. Yes. Like, you don't even know me. Right. And say, welcome. We're glad you're here. And then when you, you know, when I remember getting my, you know, my key tags and or my, my chips, it's like people would come up that I don't ever even talk to and yeah. be like, you know, thank you. You don't know how much you've helped me, you know? And then they'd rattle off something that I said that I don't remember. Right. And how it changed their life. And it'd be like, you know, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate you. And it's like, man, this is, you know, and give you a hug. It's like, man, this is what I've been missing. So were you, right? were you ever what suspicious? Were you ever suspicious of that in the beginning? Because some people will say that. They'll say, well, they'll say I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think it was just more in jest than anything else. But I walked in. I remember walking into this. You know, I share this every once in a while. Walking into this meeting, and and this this big guy, and I forget his name, uh, big biker guy. You know, in you know, in yeah. his leathers, and you know, he's probably six foot eight. <laughs> you know, three hundred and fifty pounds, yeah. and walk in, and I think I I reached out to shake his hand and he batted it away and he, fr- and he gave you. me a hug and said, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I've had that. Happen. And I yeah. was like, what did I just walk into? Right. You know? Um, cause he was like cheery and, you know, just a little too affectionate for me at the time. Right. Um, but it, you know, as it, as time went on and I'd already been in, I'd been in recovery for a while, but as time went on, I'm like, and then, I was like, man, this this is what I've been missing. I've been missing that someone giving you a hug and saying, you know what, you 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 matter. You mean something. Right. You're valuable. Right. You know we mm-hmm. you know we appreciate you. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm sold. Yeah. If I can come in here and, and get this every week or you know five days a week, I'm. Let I'm, me ask you about. Let me ask you about something that 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 is a common practice in many circles, uh, within support groups, whether it's a small group or like a 12-step support meeting that I've heard. I know you've heard this uh, because of the field you're in and and your certification and licensing. Um, Don't put Kleenex boxes out on the table and make them available for people who are going through emotions. (laughs) Because if you do that, if you do that, 
Um, well, there's a number of reasons. Uh, and one of them, I think, is because, well, you're telling people that because you do, you feel uncomfortable if they're crying and snot's coming out of their nose, right? So you give them a Kleenex because you feel uncomfortable. I don't know if that's true or not. What's the science behind that, or is there any? I don't know. I, I haven't really looked into it that deeply. Um, I know we were just talking about this the other day at work, actually. Um, I don't have any Kleenex boxes in my office. Hmm. Um, because you're poor and (laughs) no, it's, it's, uh, I don't know why it's, it's one of those things. And and even when, I mean, there, there, there comes a point where, you know, you'll, you'll want to go out and, you know, get them a Kleenex or whatever, but, um, I let them, I let them sit in there. If they get to the point where they're, they're going to cry. Yeah. You know, I might have some in my drawer or something, but right. Um, you kind of know that things are, you're really, they're actually really doing some good work mm-hmm. if they're if they're showing emotion in the session, mm-hmm. um, and it and it's benefit you know they you know try to validate that they're actually showing these emotions and that you know and and talk about what they're going through because it's important to um, feel those emotions when they come up instead of repression. I've also been with with people that. Uh, with you know they hold it back you can tell their eyes are all starting to get red and they're watering but and they just don't cross the and line they, yeah they're just yeah. like you know i feel like crying i'm like well go ahead yeah might be the best what thing you, you do all day in the back <laughs> right? you know um uh, yeah a but lot I mean, of people I mean, not it's just dripping out of your nose and you're gasping for air though well, i'm giving you a yeah, kleenex man right <laughs> yeah so, yeah, you know, you you really you like you know you've the you've really you know know you've had a good day when your clients are crying. That's interesting because Brandon T, you know, uh, you know Brandon, yeah, uh, when he was first a student at Adult and Teen Challenge, I mean, he was he was he was there about a month and he got to serve divorce papers, right? And I was his counselor, right, and. He tells me, he goes, you know what I used to hate? You say that to me all the time. Well, praise God, you get to feel sober. He goes, I hated that. I get it now, but I hated it. And and right. so every time somebody comes to my office and they leave and they're in tears because we've had a breakthrough, he always somebody goes, Monty, you make everybody cry. <laughs> and I'm not sure quite how to take that. Um, here's another guy in the book, uh, 12 Stupid Things. His name is Self... Um, a facing Sam. Now, this guy's interesting because this goes the other way too far. Uh, Sam's game is always to be wrong. Uh, Sam lives his life constantly apologizing for his existence, regardless of whether he has done something wrong or not. Wow. No matter the discussion, Sam is always finding fault with himself. He is always wrong, inadequate, or incapable. Sam's incredibly emotional. Sam's ploy is to manipulate others into telling him what a wonderful person he truly is by telling everyone what a loser or incompetent person he thinks he is. This kind of game makes it difficult for anybody to be truly angry with Sam. How can you be upset with someone who is constantly putting himself down? This is one of the benefits of the game that Sam is playing. It keeps people from being upset with him because, after all, who can kick a good man while he's down? Well, that's I know the people first thing, like this. The first thing, that, yeah, so do I. The first thing that popped in my head is, you know, 
pour me, pour me, pour me another pour one. Pour me another drink, yeah, yeah. But uh, the thing is, is people like that mm-hmm. usually don't have a whole lot of friends or even people that want to be around. Nobody that. wants to be around somebody like that. Because of that, yeah. Yeah. Or you get the other side of that same person that is basically in denial because they're telling everybody how great they are and what good things that they do. Yep. Right? Yep. We know a couple of those yep, too, right? They sure do. Um, and they're always constantly telling everyone, especially their family, you know, on the phone or whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing today. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and reality is, is they're like totally lost. They're like, I have no clue and I don't know who I am or what my life is, how my life has gotten to this point. Um, but if I tell everybody how good, how good I'm doing that they'll start to trust me again or start to believe me. And it's like, it has the opposite effect. It's like, you need to stop. Yeah. Because they've heard it a million times before, you know, it's like, why don't you ask about me? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How are you doing? Not, I'm doing great, right? Ask the other person on yeah. the, on, that you're talking to. Yeah. How are you doing? And the poor wife that's raising the kids while you're in treatment. How about asking your wife how she's doing today? Right. You know, how how are the kids doing? I mean, can I can I pray for you instead of I need you to pray for me? You know, and that's that kind of speaks to the whole concept uh, of the twelve step, right? Serving other people, get out of yourself right. and offer some assistance. But but these two people, the guy that's always bragging on himself. Are this self defeating guy? Same person. It's the same person, yeah. and it's all manipulation, right? Yeah, uh, and some of it is uh, some of it's just denial. I mean, there there's this, you know, uh, and I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking about one particular person right now, but you know, they are in so much denial that they they think that if they talk about how good they're doing it, the other stuff doesn't exist. Mm. Right. Or if they, you know, or if they talk about how horrible they are, people will never correct them. People will never confront them. Well, what happens is you get people, depending on where you're at and, you know, uh, saying, giving them compliments. Uh, But after a while, it gets old because you keep giving someone compliments and they keep saying, no, I'm not. I'm 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 a piece of shit or whatever. You know what yeah, I'm right, saying? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you stop giving the compliments because you're tired of hearing that. Because you're, it's like now you're just. So I know somebody that does this a lot, and I want I wanted to say to this person the last time they did this, I want because they're, they're they're like you're mad at me now, and I wanted to say you know what you're right. I am furious. <laughs> I, but I didn't have the heart. I, I I don't know. But so there is a time. To actually be open and honest about your emotions. We're talking today primarily about men doing that because we seem to have a harder time with it. But it goes for both men and women or the other 122 well, genders that we have developed now. Stop. Uh, <laughs> it, has to, it has, you know, it has to be, you know, the appropriate time and place too. I right. Mean, sometimes it's not appropriate. Um. It's not appropriate to stand in front of your entire congregation and confess everything you've done the last week. <laughs> and you're the pastor. <laughs> right. <laughs> you might want to use some wisdom there. Well, yeah. So so big boys do cry. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
And if you're saying, ah, no, suck it up, buttercup, then you probably have issues that are probably worse than the guy who's overly emotional. You know, there's there there is time to suck it up, but you got to be able to let it out. Right. Yeah. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. It's okay to cry. Yeah. Actually, real men do cry. Real men do cry. They don't just eat quiche. They do cry. That was a book, wasn't it? Real men eat quiche. I I want to read this. Um, this is from my friend Rick, and this is in regards to a man who he was my sponsor for many many years. Although most people didn't even know it, because he just didn't want me saying, "Well, my sponsor this and my sponsor that," because he was very humble. Um. But he passed away. He was also a co-host on this show for many, many years. His name was Bruce. And um, this is a guy, um, the guy, that my friend Rick, who's not afraid to show his emotions. And this is what he writes about Bruce. And this is healthy emotional sharing. Uh, and I just, I wanted to read it because it, it moved me emotionally in such a good way. I, w- I was so grateful for it. So if you have somebody in your life that you want to write about, that you appreciate or tell them, even if they're no longer with us and you haven't done it, do it. Yep. it, it it's really good stuff. Uh, Rick writes, I'm not sure if many of you know, but Bruce and I used to do big book studies at my home. After everyone would leave, Bruce would stay and share his joy and passion for the Lord. After he left, I would sit in the dark, my head spinning around and around. There is a quote by John Wooden that I believe exemplifies Bruce. Quote, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. End quote. My friend had an abundance of character. His genuine concern for others was unconditional. He wanted people to grab a hold of what he had experienced. His reputation was perceived by many as radical in his beliefs. But those who loved him knew he was passionate, which in turn enhanced his character. He shared many things with me, but I could never repay him for the wisdom, compassion, and love he showed me when I shared my feelings, worries, disappointments, or happiness with him. His sense of humor and laugh was infectious. I knew that he loved Teresa, which is Rick's wife, and I with his entire being. Every time he and I would part ways, he would be sure to tell me, give Teresa a hug. I remember when Bruce went into the hospital for his gallbladder operation and slipped into a coma. I was in California for my son Chris's wedding and felt totally helpless. A godly brother of mine, Steve S., Help me get through not being there. When Steve heard that Bruce had pulled through with the help of many prayers by people here today, he told me he envied me. I asked him why he envied me. Knowing my past, Steve told me that not only am I a miracle, I had witnessed a miracle with Bruce's recovery. Today, I know that I have experienced another miracle, the miracle of courage. We are fear-based people, and Bruce's courage to not live artificially, but to give his body wholly to God inspires me. He told me he was tired, and not only was he ready, he was excited to meet his Heavenly Father. I hope that I will have that same courage. 
I want to quote from a book titled Sources of Strength. If we strive, whether persistently or only intermittently, to serve Christ, there are many things that need not worry us. We don't have to worry about how wise or clever we are. God chose the foolish. We don't have to worry about how powerful we are. God chose the weak. We don't have to worry about how popular we are. God chose the despised. None of these measurements count when it comes to performing great acts of life. Great acts as defined by God are acts of humility, obedience, and love. Bruce had these qualities in spades and tried to practice those acts in the lives of others. When I would be down, Bruce would always say, Brother, God rejoices in your suffering. He would then laugh that maniacal laugh and say, How messed up is that? <laughs> Followed by, Keep the faith, brother. I have done that. Kept the faith that is messed up just enough to continue to seek. I believe God rejoices in how Bruce touched so many lives and how he is going home as a servant of God. So, reputation? It is simply what others think of you. Bruce was not concerned about his reputation. Character? Ah, yes. Character is a behavior, and it is an inside job. It is who we are, our hearts on display for God. That was how Bruce lived. The proof? He was so ready to meet his maker. I am telling you, when you can write something like that about somebody, you are in touch with your feelings. Yeah. That's, That's good. good stuff, That's man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, I read that and got through it okay. When I read it to my wife, I did not get through it okay. <laughs> I had no problem tearing up um, because Bruce was that to, to me and many others. Uh, so if you have somebody that you need to get real with and you need to maybe shed a tear in front of, don't be afraid to do that. Right. You got you, everyone needs somebody. Yep. Yep. And if you're struggling, you know, this this came into my head while we we're while you're reading that too is and you asked about final thoughts is is we also gotta be careful on who we we let into our lives. We do. You know. As 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 men it, it seems like as I've you know, I've talked to many over the years, they always seem to be focused on like Meeting uh, meeting that woman, you know, meeting the right woman or you know, the number you know, one, my number right? one, and so yeah. and be careful with with the emotions and that. You yeah, want to be overly, and you don't want somebody. You don't want to, you know, meet somebody that struggles with their emotions as well. Yeah, thinking well, they don't show their emotions, so I'm good because I have trouble showing mine. So yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, my piece of red flags there. Well, I'd like to dedicate uh, our closing song to my wife, uh, Marcia, and uh, because I don't say this enough to her, but uh, I really want to thank her for just being who she is. This is a song by Michael Brown called Thank You for Being You by Mr. Michael Brown. Thank you for being you. All of the things that you do And all of the times that you've seen me through I thank you for being you For making me laugh when I'm sad 
all of the good times we have For all of the nights and mornings too I thank you for being you Cause in a world of people who aren't what they seem I need you by my side Making it real and telling it true I thank you for being you Visit his website at mikebrownmusic.com. Hey, listen, if you'd like to download our app and take us on the go, visit us at Podomatic. Simply go to take12radio.com and click on the Podomatic app. You can also get us on iHeartRadio and iTunes, as well as other social media and podcasting platforms. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man. And we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow.